0: Amen. I want to invite you to turn your Bibles to Romans 10. We're going to begin with verse 14 as we continue uh, through this trek in Romans. We've been here several weeks uh, in this particular sermon series, Understanding the Lord's Plan, but we'll be here a little longer. We're going to be here again next week, and then we're going to take a break as we prepare for Easter and the cross and the resurrection, and then we're coming back at some point during the year Uh, To Romans 12. Stay with us, if you will. As we look at understanding God's plan a little closer today, I do want to remind young people uh, about uh, this whole concept of beautiful feet we're going to look at in Romans 10. And what it says is how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news in verse 15. So here's what I want us to do. Young people, if you would, take off your shoes and show uh, each other your beautiful feet. Now we don't have that many junior high boys, I'm, I'm glad, not really, I don't really want you to do that, put those back on, but I've, I've smelled those junior high boys feet enough, and, but what we want to do want to look at is that we, we've all got some kind of beautiful feet, kind of effort to reach somebody who's far from God. And so the scripture would talk about, in this section, about how beautiful the feet are of the messengers who bring good news. Now, we all share things from time to time with people. Good news about a, I don't know, a TV show or a movie that people need to go see because it's inspiring or it's just tragic in how they've come out of their, their tragedy or, or you think about all the things that we share. Or a good restaurant, Right? We share uh, good things that we are excited about with other people. If we find a good pair of shoes, we tell other people about a good pair of shoes, don't we? We know how to share good news in other areas. But when it comes to Christ, the best news of all, sometimes we drag our feet. And our feet are not so beautiful, are they? And so we're going to talk about that today and about how we do that. And we're going to look at this section of scripture again but I'll just continue to remind you that when we come to know Christ that our fun just begins sometimes people think and young people especially think and I, I can remember thinking these thoughts now that I've become a Christian there goes all my fun all my fun friends it, that's not true the truth is you may have to redefine what you call fun but it's more full of joy and more full of peace and more full of life than you've ever experienced. That's why Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly or to the full. And so when we think about what it means to fully live and truly live, we might have to look at a little different scenario than the rest of the world looks at, but I guarantee you, we have fun without, I like to call it, fun without regrets. We don't have to worry about what happens tomorrow. We don't have to worry about ever thinking, what did I do? We don't have to worry when we have fun in the kingdom of God about any of those things. Now, when we think about the kingdom of God, that seems a little odd. If, if there was a political candidate running in 2020 and they said to you, I want you to be a part of my kingdom, we think, oh, you're kingdom, buddy, and, and we're going to, shy away from that. But when the, we talk about the kingdom of God and life in the kingdom of God, we're talking about life on mission with the king. And the kingdom of God is the place where we experience full joy and full peace and where people flourish. And so we, as we look at that together today, we want to remind ourselves that the kingdom of God is anywhere that Christ reigns that God reigns, and we want it to be here first and foremost, where God reigns in our own hearts and our own lives, and there's plenty of blessing and fun to be had there in the kingdom of God, here in the kingdom of God. And so as we do this together today, I want to again remind you we're preparing for a mission trip, and I've experienced the needs that people have all over the world. I was counting it up—five or six different countries. Like Honduras, last summer we've gone to. Since I've been here, we've gone to Costa Rica. I've gone to. Y'all been going to Laos uh, for a while. I got to experience that, and and I've experienced Haiti uh, while while I was in Hereford. And I've gone to to Germany, and I've gone uh, several places all over the world. And I've seen the human need just across the border in Juarez, Mexico, and I've seen the poverty. But I also know that the human need that is. Is greatest for everyone is Jesus what's greater than even food we we need to provide food and clothing and shelter and fresh water and all those kind of things when people are in need but alongside of that we need to give them something that feeds their souls, and that is the living water the living bread the bread of life Jesus Christ and so when we talk about what we're going to talk about today I want you to understand and then have a heart for and then understand the plan for God reaching the world it's you it's me it's not just the preacher's job or the youth minister's job or the worship leader's job it's everybody Because you know people I don't know. And we don't want it just to be confined to a few folks. We want everyone to know because we believe that God wants the whole world to come to know him. Now, will they? No. But how do we know who's going to and who's not if we don't share with everyone? It's open to everyone. And that's where we ended off in Romans 10. Would you turn there to your copy? In Romans 10, 13, it says... Everyone, and maybe you need to underline in your Bible, underline that on your bulletin. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on Him to save them unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him if they have never heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them and how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. That's what we're looking for, partners with beautiful feet. But not everyone who welcomes, or not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. On the back of your bulletin, there's a little outline. The first couple of blanks I want you to see is this sharing is caring. When we really have the heart of God, then we're going to be able to share with folks all around us in our oikos primarily see we don't have to go to all those foreign countries to be on mission with God because there are folks right here in Denver City in your household among your neighbors at your workplace at your school campus who are far from God you know that every day I've I've spoken to a couple of my kids who are now in the workforce and they talk to me about how they have opportunities that they've never had before but they also regret having or missing the opportunities they had while they were in school when they're around so many different folks who are lost that they don't have connection with every day. You have it, teachers, coaches, students. You have it, folks in the oil field and at the grocery store and, and the hospital and wherever you are, you have it, we have it in this community. Of 4,500 people, that's at nighttime, maybe up to 7,500 people different parts of the day, I wonder, are there 4,500 people worshiping this morning in Denver City, Texas, the Lord? Are there 4,500 people who are, are truly committed to the kingdom of God? If not, then there's work to be done. I would imagine, I'm just imagining, just thinking about the folks that are in this place and and if we multiply that by the number of churches even we're still short aren't we we know we know we're in a field that's white for harvest there are people all around us and I want you and I to, to start thinking about them we've been identifying them we've been praying for them we've been investing in them we I hope we've been inviting them and we every time we gather we prepare to reach them because sharing the good news is caring about people and so as we talk about this we know the message of romans is this we are all justified by faith and we know it's available to everybody from romans 10 13 we also know that god has chosen us and we choose god in return we know there's always going to be a remnant of people and that's what we're going to look at in the rest of this section but as we walk through this scripture together you see Uh, beginning in verse 14, kind of a a reverse pattern here. How are people saved? Well, they have to call on the Lord. How do they call on the Lord? Well, they have to hear about Him. How do they hear about Him? Well, somebody has to open their mouth and tell them. And how are people going to tell them? Because they're sent to tell them. Who sends them? First Baptist Church, Pastor Kyle, no. The Lord, he's already done it. He says to his disciples in Acts 1-8, go to Jerusalem and wait and the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will receive power and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. He says in, in Matthew 28, 18-20, go and make disciples of all nations. So he's already sent us, and so now we've got to ask ourselves, are we on mission with him or not? Are we doing what he's called us to do? Young people? Old people? Old people. Who would I call old? Older people. <laughs> Steve Taylor. He's called us. And so let's consider exactly what that means. Well, here, here's what I want you to see. As we talked about last week in order for them to call on the name of the Lord, they have to know what to believe. And so I'm going to give you three words here that, that we have to know with our head that we covered last week, but I'm going to give it to you in a little more succinct pa- uh, package here today, okay? What we have to know, what a person has to know in order to be saved is, first of all, incarnation. Write that word down. They have to know about the incarnation. What the incarnation is is, is God's plan. You know, God became flesh. That's what it means literally. God became flesh. And dwelt among us. Jesus left heaven and came to earth on a rescue mission. He didn't want people to be far from God. And so he came and laid down his life. So all of us, and we've heard this message, but we've got to be able not just to hear it and understand it, but we've got to be able to articulate it to other people as well. And so that's the word, if you understand what the incarnation is all about. That's the first word I want to give you. The heart of the the gospel is the second word, though. It's the word atonement. Now that's, we don't use that word in everyday language, so we've got to kind of unpack what that is. Atonement simply means Jesus in my place. He came on this rescue mission and lived the perfect life and laid down that life to become the perfect sacrifice. And he took our place on the cross. We were supposed to be in the middle there. And he took our cross. He died for our sins so that we might live, so that we could be forgiven. So that we could experience eternal life so that we'd be part of his family his kingdom on mission with him we were saved to serve we don't serve to be saved. we were saved so that we can now be a part of what he's doing all around us isn't that an awesome thought that you're on God's team that he's using you by his almighty hand is there anything greater that you can give your life to Everything you do should revolve around that in some way, shape, or form. As you, as you raise your family, they ought to see the glory of God shining in your family as you're trying to do it right, that you make mistakes. You're not perfect. And all the parents say, amen. And all the, all the children understand, all the youth understand it. We're not perfect as parents, but we're trying. But we're also trusting more than we're trying. We're trusting that God's going to do a work in you, and that's God's grace. And that's what we see in this passage that God doesn't give up on his people ever that he's working on on people all around us and he's He's using us so as I'm going to focus primarily on this point for for just a few more more minutes that's the second word atonement the last word is resurrection resurrection because Paul is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in, in chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 and here's what he says If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, that means He, in our day and age, that means He's the boss. He's the the king that makes the rules. I know you think you make the rules. I know you think you might be on top of the food chain, but in reality, it's Him. Jesus is Lord. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, what? What? that God raised him from the dead. Is it a little strange that that's what we are to believe, that God raised him from the dead? No, because the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we celebrate at Easter validates everything else he said and did and how he lived. Think about this for just a moment. If a guy whips death, aren't you going to follow that guy? If a guy comes back to life after he's been in the tomb three days, isn't he worthy to receive his words because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ and what is the word of Christ I'll give you those three words at least incarnation atonement and resurrection and if you know those three words and a person knows that in their head then they they can be saved but listen to me for just a moment if you know a way out of a burning building and let's say you're on the second floor and somebody tells you, okay, through the smoke and through all of the fire and everything, if you'll take the stairs down and you'll go down the hall to the left and you'll make a quick right, you're outside the building. If you know the way out, are you saved? No. It's not until you take the way out. I tell you this, the way out of the flames of hell is Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life and His incarnation, His atonement, and His resurrection. But just knowing is not enough. you got to be convicted that that is for me. That is for you. That I'm going to receive that. Then I'm going to understand that I'm going to make my claim on what has been done, what I know in my head. I'm going to believe in my heart. I don't want to miss heaven by 18 inches, the difference between my, my head and my heart. I don't want you to miss that either. I'm not going to. I've understood, and I want you to come with me. And yeah, if you've never made that distinction between your head and your heart, it's like this: somebody can have cancer and know they're going to die, and the doctor says, "Hey, we have chemo, or we have this medicine. If you'll take this medicine, it's a hundred percent surety that you're going to be healed of of this cancer. We've had a hundred percent success rate. Are you are you saved? Are you cured? If you believe in your heart, are you Savior? If you believe that, no. Not yet. Not yet. It's when you take the chemo. And when you take the provision that's been made for you. Because that's the third step, and that's what Paul is talking about. It's the commitment. It's the choosing. It's the giving of your life to Jesus you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord he's going to be my boss and you believe in your heart God raised him from the dead you will be saved and the difference between saving faith and other kinds of faith that you can have is that you are willing as he has done for you to give yourself completely back to him I'm yours, Lord. I want to be on mission with you. That's a hard thing. A lot of times when we call people into faith, we just want to get their name on the roll. We want to get them in the baptism waters. We want to get them down the aisle, whatever we do. Preachers are bad about that, bad about that. But that's not why Jesus came. He came to change our lives and transform us. And the purpose God has for us is to be conformed into the image of his Son, And when we all look like Jesus, guess what? We can't keep this place uh, from being full. When we all together partner and look more and more like Jesus every day. So you in? You with me? Because that's what it is. It's an all-in commitment of our lives. Everything we do, everything we have, we leverage every treasure, all our time, and all, all of our everything for Him. How are you going to do that? How's that going to work out? It's not just this add-on thing that God wants you to be about. It's all a life revolving around Him. You trust Him? You trust Him that much to give yourself to Him because sharing is caring. Now, I want you to think about it in another way for just a moment. How do people get saved? Because people share what excites them and people who are excited about the Lord share that. But here's what I I want you to know too. George Barna, who does all this Christian research, says this half of millennial Christians, you know what a millennial is. We're all faced with those millennials around us today. What are they, about 20s, 30s? They see the world just a little bit different, even different than you young people. I don't know if those millennials. are, But half of them don't ever or they don't even share the faith. It's what it, here's what he says. Nearly half of the practicing Christian, practicing Christian that go to church, millennials who consider religion to be an important part of their lives, believe evangelism, or what we're talking about, sharing our faith, is wrong. Here's why. It's wrong to share one's personal beliefs with someone of a different faith in hopes that they will one day share The same faith. That's what 47% of millennial Christians practicing believe. Folks, we're in this battle. It's not wrong to share what's important to you. It's not wrong to share what you believe in. It's not wrong to share about one who is so loving and caring and has intention and purpose for your life. It's not wrong to share about one who loved you so much that he laid down his life on the cross. It is never wrong to share about the love of Jesus, and yet sometimes we think it's a little awkward, a little crazy to do that. Uh, again, I want you to hear from a guy who 's not a Christian who speaks to that his guy as we were in Las Vegas in that um, layover waiting for reno I, I thought about this guy. his name is Penn Gillette. Anybody ever heard of Gillette? I know you 've been to, to vegas if you've if you 've heard of Gillette. he's an entertainer he is a, a illusionist he's he's um, he's just a comedian he's he's a great uh, well known pen and teller is the is the group and and Penn had someone come up to him after a show. After he had seen him one night, he came, comes up to him the next night. And Penn had talked about his, his, his atheism. And the next, guy, the next night, the guy brings him a Bible. And he's not offended by that. Now, this is an outspoken atheist that's not offended by someone. A, he was a Gideon who gave him a Bible. And he, but he said this about that because he was so impressed that someone cared enough about him to share Jesus with them even though he didn't believe he said these words and and you I want you to Google this I want you to see the whole interview It's about five minutes it won't take long at all not right now but Google it a little bit later it's called a gift of a Bible pendulet and he says this if you believe that there is a heaven and hell most of us would believe that And, and that people could be going to hell or getting eternal life or whatever, he says, and you think it's not really worth telling them because it would make it a a little socially awkward, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? Share your faith. How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not... Tell them that. Ooh, that's an atheist saying that. Doesn't that say a lot about what we believe? To believe what we believe and not share it, that's that's a terrible sort of thing. It's sort of a hate thing, as Gillette says it. And so when we think about this whole concept, I think there are people who will respect us if it's legitimate. If we love them and we care for them, we should share with them in fact our sharing with them is a great way of caring so I want you to think about those people and how I know for many of us that's a that's a weird sort of concept but there's all sorts of ways to share as you serve people in the grocery store you see somebody kind of struggling with their basket just say hey can I help you with that or somebody says are you having a good day and you say yeah I'm blessed and then you say "I'm, I'm blessed by the Lord there's all sorts of things that can start a conversation with people about Jesus. Just caring. Just loving them in simple sort of ways. You don't have to be a Bible basher. In fact, I would recommend you not be a Bible basher. Because Gillette says the guy just did it with a lot of respect. And that's what Peter talks about in 1 Peter three fifteen and 16. Always be ready to have a reason for the, the faith that you have. And so he says to do it with gentleness and respect. And as we do, I'm convinced there are people who are open because there are people who are hurting and broken. And we can't always, in fact, most of the time we can't, fix them. And their situations. But we know one who can. And his name is Jesus. That's why he's come to save, to seek and to save those who are lost. Let's look on. well, actually, before we look on, I, I'm going to end there. I'm going to come back to some other things I got. I, I can fill in the blanks for you later, but I just want to tell you a story. Anybody opposed to me ending? I'll tell you a story about a guy named Brandon. Agazam can testify to this story, the validity of this. This week in Reno we had lunch with a guy named Brandon who is kind of Terry Fred's right-hand man. Brandon grew up on the streets of Reno as a homeless little boy. He's 42 years old now and he's got a, uh, a wife and kids and seems to be doing okay. He is a a mason contractor now and I And I asked him, Brandon, how did you get out of that life of homelessness? Because he said as a little boy, he he would hustle. I mean, he would work hard for people. And and he he said it sort of in this language. I don't remember the exact words, but he would say, "I I would either work hard for you or I would work hard stealing from you. That was the kind of guy he was. And he says to me, Jesus. Jesus brought me out of that homelessness. Terry Fred, who's doing a great work in Reno, had an impact on him as he came, helped him come to know Jesus in a real exciting sort of way and stayed with him some 20 years now. But Jesus brought him out of that homelessness. You see, we all are formed by this potter that Romans talks about. And, and we can either be an, an object of, of great beauty and grace, and, and we are, every one of us. But God's not just formed objects so that he can admire. He has the ability to create all sorts of beauty, with or without us. But he's created us to be instruments in his hands. And an instrument says, I can't. Make a difference. I have worth. I have purpose. I want to be involved in God's mission. I want to do more than just make a lot of money. I want to do more than just experience a lot of luxury. I I want to do more with my life than just be entertained. I want to make a difference. Is that you? I'm praying it is. Because we're always looking for partners in this kingdom quest to do what God has called us to do. Let's pray together. Father, I know there are people in this place who've never called on your name. Never really called on your name. They may have even been baptized. Their name may be on the church roll. They may have been walking, they may have walked this aisle at some point, but they don't really know you. They never really put their trust and faith in you. They've never really gotten in the wheelbarrow. Faced all of their troubles. All their hurts and suffering and all their future and ambitions plans with you. Just kind of add you on as another phase of their life, another activity. Oh, but Father, you're, you're worth so much more than that. Oh, we know that full well. So help us, Lord, in these moments to consider how you might use us in your mission to expand your kingdom for your glory. Lord, use that Oikos card or, or use some other thing in our lives that would keep us intentionally living for you. Out of the power of your strong name we pray.